Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Welcome into Big Ten Plus Four, where we're blue collar and blue blood. Of course, we're college sports with a Midwest perspective as well. I'm Dalton Shetler, Sam Sprunger over there. This is our favorite time of the year. We, we've been talking Absolutely. about this for weeks coming up, but it's finally here, Sam, where we're getting ready to tip off the NCAA tourney. I know, and and I sang last week because that was the start of it. That was like Christmas Eve, I guess. I, I I said it was like Christmas. That was more like Christmas Eve. It was the the precursor to the big day, technically. <laughs> well, and of course, we got a nice sliver of it with the Big Ten tournament that Absolutely. just took place. Uh, with the Big Ten tourney, we got to see a buzzer beater already. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but we got to see a couple of runs that we weren't expecting. It's so we we had kind of the appetizer as we now get into the big dance. And of course, the Big Ten with nine teams into the NCAA tourney that leads the country yet again. Uh, a little bit different this time. Uh, a couple of years ago, you were talking about maybe 11, 12 teams mm -hmm. getting in. And at the mm -hmm. end, a couple dropped off here. Are three different teams just kind of slid in the back door to get into the big dance. But regardless, the Big Ten really kind of pounding its chest after this year. Yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, those runs that you were talking about, I'm not going to get into the necessary specifics until we get really into the breakdown of the of the tournament itself and, and kind of recapping it. Uh, but I think that earned a couple of teams some, some higher seed mm -hmm. uh, seeding or some solid, like in the tournament type uh, movement when uh, with their success in the tournament itself. And that's what... I guess if if there's any value to the the uh, the conference tournament, we talked about that last week. Where you know teams that are already in don't really necessarily have to hold it in high regard, but there are some teams that it's important. And uh, I guess that's what makes it so exciting because if you have some teams that are on the bubble and you know that uh, and they perform, you wonder, hey, was this enough? And I was still kind of skeptical at one point, but then. Uh, and I got convinced that it was probably going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as we were talking about, too, the Big Ten tournament, uh, we do have a champion. It's the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> they knocked off Sam's Purdue Boilermakers. Of course, if you're a loyal listener, you know Sam has an interest there. I have an interest in Michigan State, and I'm wearing my Final Four ball cap today. Just to, I was feeling the spirit. I threw it on. I don't wear it a ton because it's white and I'm scared to make it dirty, but you know, the it, horrid, it the horridness of white hats, you know, yeah. I, I used to buy it. I used to be one of those that if I, if I bought a shirt, I had to make sure I had a hat that went with it. And if I didn't, I went Ooh. and bought a hat and the white hats, I would buy some white hats and it would always make me mad because I sweat when it's 60. So <laughs> if I put on a white hat and go outside it it gets that gross yellow after a while and so i don't wear white hats anymore so this is a march only hat that it, it fits yeah. march madness and we'll, we'll yeah, keep it i get there. it i get <laughs> special occasion you know kind of dress yeah. them up yeah kind of yeah yeah <laughs> um big 10 tournament though iowa wins it they knock off purdue you already boot it but 
your takeaway from what we saw in Indianapolis? Uh, I, I, you and I, you and I text back and forth as much as we could during that tournament. And I tell you what, IU made their move and they secured themselves. Now we'll get to where they're at in the tournament a little bit later, but it took those wins strongly and obviously by the seating as well. It took those wins to get them into the tournament. And that's kind of what I was talking about just a couple of minutes ago that it, it takes some wins and IU did what they needed to do to get in. And uh, I guess that's my biggest takeaway from it. Um, there's some other things that I've got issue with when it comes to the NCAA tournament um, or NCAA. I'm sorry. The, the, they want you to say both A's, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, this tournament was a really good tournament. It wasn't as crazy uh, upset-wise, I guess, which there were some teams I think probably suffered from losing early in that tournament, though, too. And I think you're right. And as you kind of mentioned, I, I was down there in Indianapolis yeah. for this one. Now, I've had five of these that I've been to in person, working, covering. Um, this one was easily the most fun of them I've been that. to. And and part of it was with it being in Indianapolis I and us both being from Indiana, I was mm-hmm. able to see some family members, see some friends. <laughs> as I able to, to see a lot of people I know down there. You didn't but, see me down there. I didn't yeah. get the invite. Jeez. <laughs> well, <laughs> see where you, I rank. You, you moved too far east is the problem with you. Um, <laughs> okay. Hey, it's still not that far away. <laughs> Well, that's the beauty of Indianapolis, to be completely honest about yeah. that, too. Um, but the whole reason I, why the whole tournament was there last year. It, it's true. And, and for 2020, of course, we had games Wednesday and then shoot around of Michigan Rutgers Thursday morning. Uh, they end up pulling the plug on all the postseason and the entire season. And then 21. It was fans or no family and limited fans. I think mm-hmm. were able to get in. Uh, this was the first year that it was back to everybody coming in. And mm-hmm. there was an energy among the concourse. Like as you walked in and out to, to try and get to different places, you just caught this buzz of, of fans excited the the energy they had. And honestly, I, this one kind of sealed it for me where I was like, you know what? This tournament, this Big Ten tournament, this is one of the best fan events that exists, mainly because the Big Ten has the best fans in the country, and I don't think that can be disputed, especially when you look at attendance numbers. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. always somebody yeah. who likes to try and back stuff up with stats. The numbers show attendance is the strongest in the Midwest and with Big Ten sports. Maybe part of it's because we have no beach to go to. This is our beach in, the, in an arena. Uh, but but everybody loves their school. There's so much school pride. They're, they're, it's, they're always out there in numbers. And in Indianapolis, that was a thing. And it, it blew me away how awesome of a fan event it is. And you get to watch 13 basketball games over the course of five days. It's terrific. And and before anybody decides they're going to argue with you, you do a lot of traveling into arenas that aren't Big Ten arenas, and so you see. Now there are your 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 high ranking uh, uh, schools or you know programs that do show up in the in droves, but you go to a lot of places that you're like, oh, maybe this isn't uh, 
maybe this isn't as big of a, a a crowd as what we were expecting, but I think pretty much almost every time uh Big Ten schools show up and and when you put all 14 teams in one place, you get some rabid crazy fans, especially the ones that have to travel a little bit further than let's say Purdue or or IU or Michigan, Michigan State, you know, those those closer ones. Uh they still travel and yep. and and it's crazy. And it's that's what's amazing to me too, because I really noticed the difference. The first two Big Ten tourneys that I, I went to and worked mm-hmm. uh were the ones that were in Washington, DC, New York City. And were, were those uh, I, I know they did it for the 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 audience, you know, to get that Maryland and Rutgers coming in not that long, but it couldn't it couldn't have had the same feel as when it is in Chicago or in Indianapolis. Not at all. And as games continued on, you started to get more and more fans to come in. But like we would be in taxis heading over to games and nobody knew that this was the thing. Like the taxi drivers asking us what we're there for. We explain Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, there's. There's basketball around. Is it high school? Is it like, I mean, it was so out of this world to people. Why is the Big Ten in New York City or why is the Big Ten in Washington, D.C.? Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it it just was kind of befuddling. I I think maybe there's an avenue that you could do it again in the future when it gets more traction. But uh, without a doubt, your best will come when it's in Indianapolis and Chicago. Well, Well, and we know historically from the Big Ten tournament, it's always the last game before selection, the selection show. Mm-hmm. Always. Like, they literally show the team celebrating, and then they go to uh, Greg Gumble and Clark Kellogg, you know? Right. And that, like, immediately over. And when they were in New York city, it was horrible because the big East has the stranglehold on, on uh, Madison square garden. Yep. So they get it the week leading into selection Sunday. So per or Purdue, uh, the big 10 had to play it the week before and that felt way off. And it messed up schedules for the regular season to make sure that happen. Like there was a lot of variables that that kind of interrupted, but no, this was a great tournament. We got to see some great games. Let's talk a little bit about those great games. You talked about the run from Indiana. Let's start there. The Hoosiers are able to pick off two wins against Michigan and then against top seed Illinois Mm -hmm. that essentially punched their ticket into into the big dance. And, uh, I mean, you really can say that because they end up in Dayton for the first four. We'll talk about all the teams with the NCAA tournament in a little bit. But this Indiana run, I, I was there in the arena when it was 60-43 at Michigan on <laughs> yeah. top of Indiana with 13 minutes left. And I looked over at a couple of my family members that I was sitting with, and I said, I think we can about wrap it up. I, I said this. this. So you jinxed it. Thanks, Dalton. Yes, Jeez. I did. <laughs> well, and because and I said to them, I said, look, Indiana can't shoot their way back in this game. I said, Indiana is not a good shooting team. Mm-hmm. That's just point mm-hmm. blank what it is. I, they can't afford right. this kind of deficit. And to be honest... They couldn't. They, they, they got all those. Have. They got the stops defensively. Mm-hmm. They only gave up what two or three baskets for the last thirteen minutes of that game. Thirty-one to nine, the run. I mean, like that's that's incredible. They got it done on defense, um, and that which, was which in turn led to their offense. Yes, yeah. I mean, it was all hand in hand. Yeah, and but, uh, I would say that is the bigger surprise the win over Michigan than the win over Illinois. And that's yeah. not me saying that, you know, IU is as good as Illinois is. I just think 
they had I, I guess i was a little bit surprised that there wasn't maybe a letdown against illinois yeah. because of that big comeback but the bigger surprise was them coming back and beating michigan i literally and i kid you not we were traveling and i was listening to it on the on the radio i told my father-in-law i said i'm sorry i'm i'm doing work <laughs> and, and and michigan was up and we stopped for lunch i went in i ate took my time didn't hurry nothing went back came back out turned it on and indiana was within one i'm like are you kidding me mhm I heard quite a few stories like that too. Uh, another one of my my uncles lives around Indianapolis and mm-hmm. is an Indiana fan, and he had texted me earlier in the game and said, "Oh, it's this IU team that showed up." And so they the start to, two teams. They start to make the run back, and I text the the little eyeball emoji. I love doing that when something yeah. exciting is yeah. happening. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he says he saw the emoji and then was walking his way home and got to the TV and IU was down one. And he's like, mm-hmm. what just happened? So he took a walk thinking, yeah, well, it was a good run. NIT it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> missing the NCAA tourneys for the, again, for the, yeah. since 2016. And, and that's the big thing is Indiana needed this mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. that yeah. monkey off its back. They yeah. really, really did. And, and you know what? They earned their way with that, that run in Indianapolis. They earned their way. As much as it pains me, as much as it pains me. I know it does. I will argue for iu later on oh okay i will argue for iu later on okay simple as that (laughs) good tease good tease um outside of indiana iowa of course winning the big 10 tourney was a a pretty solid run um and didn't surprise me no me neither and and well we had a week ago we talked about purdue iowa being the championship i think he had Rutgers over iowa but which I, mean, I still stand if if they would have beaten Iowa, I think Rutgers would have been there. Yep. Yeah. Well, who they would have played Indiana, so yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm totally in on that. Yeah. Um, but Iowa right now is playing the best out of anybody else in the Big Ten Conference, point blank, period. For sure. And and the way that they ran it up on Northwestern with 112 points, uh, what they did to Rutgers, like. They left no doubt in any of these games. The, the closest really was Indiana. Indiana gave them the dog it took fight. a buzzer. Well, a buzzer beater, a game winner, I guess, because it wasn't right at the buzzer. But yeah, semantics. Yeah. Eight semantics. tenths of a second is pretty much a buzzer beater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got to go 90 feet to get a, you know, get a good look at the at the hoop in eight tenths of a second. It's a buzzer beater. Right. So I was playing red hot. Indiana earns themselves away into the big dance. Michigan State found themselves a little bit in Indianapolis. And yes. we had been waiting for a moment to see some traction, some uh, where, where the, the team kicks it into four-wheel drive and is getting ready for off-road. Like where We were kind of <laughs> waiting to see that, and we finally right? saw a little bit. Uh, a, Do you feel better about Michigan State now after before? that? Yeah, than, than well before? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, there there still are inconsistencies with the team that just yeah. is what it is um I but think every team including Iowa who's playing the best all of them have inconsistencies right and it but maybe Michigan State's is larger and that's why you feel yeah. maybe more nervous um sure but what you got to see Marcus Bingham Jr. came alive in the second half against Wisconsin collects his fourth double double of the year if he is able to play on the block 
And it's really just about him staying down there in the post and, and creating that post presence that changes things with this team. Now, A.J. Hogard at point guard leaves the tournament with 20 assists and two turnovers. And it's that's amazing. Assist wow. to turnover ratio of 10 to one. Unheard of. I, I mean, and, and, and he scored a bunch against Purdue in the loss. Mm-hmm. You get that kind of play out of the point guard spot. It, it changes things like you, you watched in Indianapolis, Michigan State ceiling of what they can do this upcoming weekend go from here to here because mm-hmm. you started to see some of the players in the growth kind of revive itself from November when it was a, a top 10 mm-hmm. team and it was 14 and two. You get those two areas like playing like that. This this is a Michigan State team that that might upset some folks in Carolina this upcoming weekend. <laughs> I can tell what you're doing with your pocket. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, but but that's the thing though; it's a risk. Like I, I'm, I'm going to be straight up honest with you: you can't bank on it, and we've oh. seen that over a course of 30 games. And that's and you know thing. what? This year, anything can yeah. happen. It's true. <laughs> Which is what you're going to get from my bracket when we talk about it a little bit. Okay, <laughs> you're going to go what? Okay. And I'm going to say <laughs> it's this year. Yeah, and and that's kind of the truth, but. Um, I, I think those were the big storylines that came out of Indianapolis in the Big Ten tournament. So let's uh, end up the first quarter and head over to the second where we'll move on to the big dance. Fair enough. Okay, so the NCAA tournament, the first four games happening today, tomorrow, and then, of course, uh, the field of 64, if you will, will be starting on Thursday. Nine teams in the big uh, dance from the Big Ten and I, I suppose we can kind of just start going through some of these and seeing maybe what surprised you. We can start with the three seeds, Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, for Purdue, of course, they they end up here at a three seed. Some people were kind of thinking they might have been closer to a two. I think the real conversation Boilermaker fans were upset with is why they're going to Milwaukee instead of Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, that that is my biggest thought because you know what? Both of the Big Ten three seeds are playing in Milwaukee. Yep. One being Wisconsin. And when there's a three seed playing in Indianapolis, why isn't it Purdue? Yep. Um, I don't know how the pods work to where, you know, the, the regionalization of them to where did it have to be a certain region that goes to Indianapolis? Because, you know, I mean, there's West region teams playing in the East, right? In their, in their first couple of rounds. So I don't understand that necessarily. And you know what? It, it, it doesn't matter. Purdue still travels well and they'll travel well to Wisconsin, but if you're going to give Wisconsin and maybe it's because Wisconsin won, won the regular season and they were giving them that little bit of a a reward in the aspect of, you know what, they're going to stay a three seed because they did get beat in their first game in the, in the tournament, big 10 tournament, but they get to go stay in, in Milwaukee, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Why didn't they get, why didn't Purdue get put in Indianapolis since we're we're you know catering to teams i mean there are some lower seeds playing in buffalo that that could be you know essentially it's a home game compared to who they're playing and they're the lower seed and it just doesn't make sense to me well michigan's at 11 seed and they get to go to indy and so i i think that's what a lot of i've got issues with yeah, <laughs> that all in all anyways but well we'll we'll circle over to that in a moment but i don't yes. have an answer for you i i don't 
and and hopefully I'll try and get some clarification so we can know a little bit better why yeah. that ended up the way it is. But yeah, I, I I that one stuck out to me too because a lot of Purdue fans had been looking at it and saying, well, if we can go indie the first weekend and if we're lucky enough to make the Sweet 16, go to Chicago. Like that's right. some of the sites set up. That's perfect for Purdue fans. But now, granted, Milwaukee and Chicago aren't much different. I mean, it, it is different because it is a further drive to Milwaukee. Yes, but still Milwaukee and Chicago. It's still setting up nicely for Purdue. No, oh, no, I, no, no. They're not. They're not in the in the Midwest. Sorry, I'm, I apologize. They're in a different region. Right. Sorry, my fault. My fault. But <laughs> it, but it still does set up yeah. nice in terms of the teams in front. Um, I'll be honest. I have not seen a Yale basketball game yet. What I do know is they have a kid named Swain who's averaging about twenty points a game so far this year. Uh, he, he appears to be a pretty solid shooter when you look at the numbers. Uh, don't know much about the Bulldogs besides that. Um, is but Tommy I, Amaker still their coach? I don't believe so. I actually thought I had read or did somewhere. He, he was a, was he at Yale or Harvard? Hang Golly, on one I, I I maybe he was Harvard, so I may be way wrong, anyways. But so uh, Yale's basketball coach is James Jones, a former best NBA player james jones or i mean that's a pretty common name but uh, it's a it's a different james jones than i, I, the, I assumed uh, as much than the I, miami heat one <laughs> yeah <laughs> amaker is at harvard okay i see oh sorry yale fans yeah, i was gonna say you just really <laughs> rubbed everybody off. good thing we're not the ivy plus four <laughs> um i'd know by then I, I I do think Purdue has has a path to the Sweet 16, but I think you start looking at that region and say Purdue beats Yale, say mm -hmm. Texas beats Virginia Tech. I yep. think it gets a little bit interesting when you add in Texas against Purdue because Texas is strong on the wings. I've gotten to watch a little bit of Chris Beard's club. Uh, Andrew Jones, Marcus Carr, the former Minnesota Golden Gopher transfer mm -hmm. down there. Uh, they they have some players on the perimeter that can make some noise. And I think that might be a, a tough recipe for Purdue, as we've seen throughout the year. But you've also and and I, and I know you'll you'll back this up to the point where it's not just me being a homer. Purdue does not get blown out. Michigan, right. the Michigan loss was an anomaly. Um, I don't think that Purdue's going to get beat by double digits unless it's them fouling at the end and just not getting kind of like the Big Ten championship to where it wasn't a nine point game. But that's what the final score was, because Purdue couldn't get a, ba a, ba a basket after they fouled and then they'd foul again. Right. So uh, I think they're going to give themselves opportunities. But I uh, and I think even. Uh, even though they did struggle in a couple of uh, in those two games leading to the championship, Purdue did get looking a little bit better offensively. They still aren't holding on to the ball, which just ticks me off beyond belief. But they held Iowa under 80 points. And I know that's that's ooh they they lost and gave up 70 plus points. And you're happy about it. well. Iowa's been tearing the roof off with their uh -huh. offense. You you mentioned it earlier. Uh, they scored 112 against Northwestern. Yep. And I posted something on social media about that just confirming I felt Iowa could make a, a, a really long run in the tournament. Yep. And somebody said, yeah, but but they scored 112 against Northwestern. And, and my response was, okay, well, then give me the list of the other teams that did that against Northwestern. Mm-hmm nobody did nobody so 
to say that, well, they did it against Northwestern. Well, what about the other teams that are high offense? Purdue didn't score 112 against Northwestern. And and Keegan Murray is working himself now into a top 10 conversation for the NBA draft, maybe even close yeah. to the top five. Like what he's done, especially during this stretch, I mean, it's it's remarkable. You don't see players do what he's doing. And if it's not for Johnny Davis just playing out of his, his mind and, and Keegan Murray's the player of the year in the Big Ten, I don't think. I, to oh, me, you're gonna get some. You're gonna get some upset Illinois fans. You I'm know what? And I wrong. even said I I preferred Kofi over everybody else. But you know what? I didn't get a chance to see Keegan Murray play as much as someone like you. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I watched every Iowa game. He can do that, everything. He can everything. He can include look like his brother. Yeah, it's true. That it <laughs> did fool me once during the game. I my, I get my by that. sons were watching the championship game with me, and Chris got his fourth foul, and they're like, "Oh, that's big." I'm like, "Why? He's only scored four points at the time." <laughs> I, hey. I said, "I said Keegan's the one that we need to worry about." And and that's a scary thing too for the future is Fran McCaffrey over at Iowa saying that Chris Murray's going to become like Keegan. He's just a little bit slower in development, so we're the Big Ten will be haunted by a Murray. It feels like for a little while. Oh well, you know I did. I did uh, before I moved uh, jobs a few years back. I uh, did did like just going through from Eastside at Eastside and in, into Cal Eastern uh, school districts. Before I moved away, I did the cor- the the figuring out. It was like forty years that there was a Sprunger constantly into Cal Eastern. It's going to oh, be wow. like that with Iowa. Well, you had my sister start, then my brother, then I went through, and by the time I graduated, my nephew had started kindergarten. Wow. Jordan, and then Tristan, and then Gavin, and it just, it was like, it might have been 35, but it was, but I think I was very similar. It's They're just going to constantly have a Murray. I was going to say, the Sprungers and Yoders all over DeKalb County, yeah, huh? That's right. <laughs> Um, Although there was only one family of Sprungers. <laughs> that's a joke that folks in DeKalb County will really enjoy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But so that that's a kind of look at Purdue. Uh, we'll quickly kind of move some of the others. As, sure. as normal, we end up getting kind of bogged down in an area we like to talk about. But Wisconsin ends up as a three seed as well. Wisconsin will go against Colgate. They're playing in their backyard in Milwaukee. And you look at the other potential matchup it's LSU and Iowa State that they would play the winner of mm-hmm. LSU just fired their head coach Will Wade uh so when you really look at at the teams with potential routes to a sweet 16 to me Wisconsin has the best um yeah yeah I wouldn't argue with that at all because uh you know LSU I heard somebody comparing the LSU issue like the the fact that they you know started out really well and then they struggled in the conference season and then they said now they're replacing their coach and they compared them to Michigan in 89 Mm. not the same team no no I I I honestly uh I think that's gonna hurt LSU even more and I have Iowa State beat in the first round I was going to say, and that's totally fair. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're kind of trying to to figure out your bracket, yeah. I mean, a, a team without a coach and that much inconsistency. And by the way, this is the second time they've been without Will Wade in the last few years in March Madness. In I was going to say two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, 
and and i think it was the same issue wasn't it like it it broke and so they they suspended him indefinitely or you know temporarily until they got it worked out and then they brought him back and then of course it comes up again and they're like yeah we need to go (laughs) (laughs) well the the fact that will wade lasted that long with all the different allegations and matter of fact evidence that sits against him has been quite frankly amazing um illinois illinois ends up a four seed they're playing against chattanooga in the first round a 13 seed you might remember chattanooga from the buzzer beating shot to win the conference tournament that knocked off Furman in that classic back and forth in that conference tournament uh but for chattanooga chattanooga's got a couple of guys uh, that that have been able to score pretty well, but what really intrigues me here too is that they have Silvio De Sosa, which you might remember that name, uh, the Kansas player who ended up yeah. suspended. But that's somebody. And a lot of these matchups, you're lucky to find anybody who's going to be able to stand with Kofi Coburn. Mm-hmm. Silvio De Sosa at least has a physical frame that can battle with Kofi, and that's normally not the case for such a high seed like this. From my understanding, and I didn't pick it, but from my understanding, that's the sexiest uh, uh, double-digit upset pick. Really? Chattanooga over Illinois. Because the comment was, they have Power 5 talent on a non-Power 5 team. So they're low-seeded because of that, but they have that Power 5 talent that has transferred or they, you know, under the radar radar got them to come to Chattanooga and... uh, or over the radar i don't care i mean whatever but uh um i i I don't know i can they beat illinois sure i think anybody can beat illinois or anybody can beat anybody we've seen that but uh i just i i don't i i don't see illinois losing first round i just don't and and honestly i like the illinois team a lot they they bowed out quickly in indy and i guess that's maybe why some people are souring uh, they, they have, I, I really like the, the team. I like the four yeah. round one style they play. Um, they need to, it, it feels like Alfonso Plummer was a little gun shy in Indianapolis. The kid needs to let him fly. If, if you get back to a swaggy, confident Alfonso Plummer is doing his bow and arrow celebration <laughs> after each three, like Illinois will be a problem in this tournament. So we'll see how that plays. Iowa ends up a five seed. Iowa will start off against Richmond, the champs of the A-10. They just knocked off Davidson in that conference tournament game. We've talked a lot about Iowa. Uh, This is a team I think not only is primed to maybe survive the 5-12 upset stereotype, but to be able to make a deep, deep run. Yeah, I I, without getting too deep into them, I've got them going pretty far. And it's okay. not because not because I've been talking. Well, it is because I've been talking about it so long, but it's because I believe that the offensive weapons, they, they're covering up their defensive problems with the the ability to stay so high up on their offensive output. They're just they're they're producing so much offensively that it's so hard to beat them because sure. of that. And so I've got them making a deep run and uh, you may argue with my, with my final, my final destination for them, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a a good team. I think they're underseeded. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't disagree with that. And honestly, I I hate to say it because uh, it doesn't make for great content, but 
We'll see, because I might end up agreeing with you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> um, a couple of seven seeds out of the Big Ten. Michigan State, and of course, Michigan State ends up next to Duke. That seems just to be a rule, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I think they I think they've got some sort of an agreement that whatever region <laughs> one is in, the other has to be somewhere in it. That way you can play each other. So Duke's the two there, but Michigan State first would have to try and get out of a first-round matchup with 10-seed Davidson, and this isn't easy. Uh, Bob McKillop's team really had a strong year this year, I think 27 mm-hmm. wins. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a Michigan State transfer on that Davidson team who leads the team in scoring, Foster Lawyer, averaging about 16 points a game. He was uh, Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan coming out of high school. Uh, but for Davidson, they also have a kid named Hung Jun Lee, and Hung Jun Lee is a player from South Korea. Last year, he became just the 11th player in D1 basketball history to shoot 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. Good I, Lord. You pay, I mean, he was in the 50-40-90 club. You pair him with Foster Lawyer and, and uh, Luka Brykovic, who is their 6'10 big guy who can kind of stretch out. And it's not so position uh, centered or stereotype, like he can he can move a bit as a mm-hmm. big guy. Uh, it's it's a dangerous ten seed, the Davidson Wildcats. So that explains so much. Your text of we got Davidson, like you were <laughs> you were not happy about it at all. No, no, that's 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 a tough tough matchup. So I I do think their guards and and their perimeter. Uh, I think it's going to be a different look going against Michigan State's size out there mm-hmm. on the perimeter. I'm not sure that that's something that they'll be ready for. I don't know how you get ready for that if, from the A-10 and, and as big as Michigan. Like, Max Christie's playing the two, and he's six six. Like, A.J. Hogard's probably going to start a point guard with Tyson Walker's injury. He's six four. Like, mm-hmm. little different. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. So we'll see how that plays. The other seven seed is interesting too, and we're going to go long here in this segment for, yes, for everybody are. to know. And we'll hit, we'll we'll be shorter in the second half. But going a little overtime in ha- in the first half. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> Ohio State ends up a seven seed. They get Loyola Chicago, and to me, this has Ramblers moving on written all over it. And and if you're an Ohio State fan and you're you're upset with me saying that, please understand it's because your own team's health is in such peril. When I, I go to bed because I'm so exhausted with Ohio State up nine at the half, and I wake up and I'm like, Purdue plays Penn State? Yep. Now, granted, Penn State did play well, but by no means should you blow that big of a lead without some sort of a meltdown on your side. You and, know, and I can't do it now. <laughs> well, and it's been confirmed Justice Suing, who's only gotten to play in two games this year, won't be playing in the tournament. Which kills uh, him. Zed Key, it looks like might be back. He's a question mark, but he's had the ankle injury. Poor Kyle Young still just continues to deal with concussion symptoms and everything else. Um, They'll see if they can get him back. But like, nonetheless, like that's that's a lot. And it's a lot of big guys. So you're going to roll out Joey Brunk and uh, you have EJ Liddell at the four. But you you don't have a lot of depth in one big area of your team right now. Well, and excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, they can only, those two Branham and, and Liddell can only do so much. They have to have some sort of a supporting role. And if it's injuries are killing your support role or your support cast, you're, I I don't know how you're gonna, you're gonna do anything. And when you get one of those teams, that's a, 
it, they're almost the Gonzaga 2.0 to where they're Loyola Chicago is so far always a, a double seated team, but they're always a threat to win. I picked them to win. I just don't see Ohio State having enough. And they haven't done anything to prove that they're going to improve that. I, I don't. I won't be upset. Well, I kind of will be upset because I have Loyola Chicago going to the Sweet Sixteen. I have them beating Villanova. Not that I discount, you know, Villanova being good, but traditionally, and and Loyola Chicago's strong. Yep. And Ohio State just drew the wrong team in the first first round, in my opinion. No, it's it's true, and. For everybody who fell in love with Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago making the Sweet 16 run mm-hmm. last year, and everybody loved Crutwig, m- maybe more so because he he likened Farva from Super Troopers than a dominant D1 <laughs> basketball player. But Crutwig has moved on. Uh, they do have a, a trio of guys that are pretty solid in, in Lucas Williamson, Braden Norris, and uh, oh, um, uh, Uguak. Uguak mm-hmm. was the other one. They're they're yeah. big guy. Um, they do bring a lot of experience with a, a relatively young coach, Drew Valentine, who's just 30 years old, the youngest coach in D1 basketball. Um, and, of course, this is his first year. Uh, Porter Moser was there last year, took mm-hmm. him to the Sweet 16. He's now at Oklahoma. Well, and what was it, three years ago? They went to the Final Four. Yeah. With Sister Jean. You know, that was the whole thing. Sister Jean was, you know, the their mascot, so to speak, I guess. You know, uh-huh. their good luck, you know, charm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I've, I've seen their coach linked to, uh, now Kansas state since Bruce Weber resigned. Oh, it's, he's going to be a hot coach for a while. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a name to pay attention to, um, Michigan, an 11 seed gets to play in Indianapolis and they draw six seed Colorado state, uh, Colorado state's got two guys that score in double digits and, and are pretty strong, um, up in, I think one of them scores around 16, 20 points a game. Um, but it's a team that slows the pace down. They mm-hmm. want less and less possessions in the game. It'll be interesting to see how Michigan tries to speed them up in this first round matchup. Well, and I think it, it, it all depends on how the shots are falling for Michigan starting out. And, and if they're not able to jump out to a little bit of a, of a cushion to where they can push Colorado state to keep going, you know, to get it going and get that back and forth to where it really benefits Michigan. They're in trouble. I, I have so many problems with Michigan where they're at. Here's the thing. They were up by List them. Go for 85 it. points against IU in the second half with 12 minutes to go and end up losing the game. And to me, those two teams in my, I mean, I even said it last week, it could have been one of those, the loser doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. So to me, that means whoever wins should have the higher seed. Should right. have the more solid ground. IU won that game. Hands, uh, Michigan did their part in losing it. Don't get me wrong, but IU yep. came back and won that game. They went and won yet another one. I don't think Michigan touches Illinois, but IU went in and beat Illinois, and they have a first four game. But Michigan has a solid first round game. They don't have to play in they they automatically get it i hope colorado state just pummels them and it's not i i'm I'm not a i'm not a michigan advocate anyways and i'm definitely not an iu advocate i mean come on 
but there is no reason Michigan should have been an 11 seed over IU being a 12. It just shouldn't have happened. And if IU was going to be a 12, they certainly shouldn't have to play a first or, or a first four game to get into the field of 64. The committee dropped the ball huge on that one. I don't have any kind of counter. I I, I mean, I just sat there and kind of nodded along because I don't. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I'm not really sure what to tell you. I really don't know. Um, real quick, though, you bring up Indiana. They are in the first four, as you mentioned. They get Wyoming tonight. That one tips off just past 9 o'clock. Indiana, Wyoming. Do the Hoosiers maybe have enough where they're able to keep this run alive that they had in Indianapolis? Now, remember, the Hoosiers, are they're not a great shooting team. They're going to get it done defensively, and they're going to play through Trace Jackson Davis. Well, I can say that tonight will be much like a home game for IU because yeah. Dayton's right next door just across the state line basically i mean and these fans are hungry oh for sure hungry. it's been years since they've been to the tournament so they want they want to see their team play so i think that is huge for iu because in i mean bloomington to indianapolis is really short too so yep. uh, granted there were fans from all schools but iu and purdue probably produced most of the crowd or a, a larger portion of the crowd let's say it yep. that way so I think I think that helps. Um, I've, I've honestly I've I've watched a little bit of Wyoming and they're pretty pretty solid. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, honestly, I think I think probably IU wins this. I don't have the winner of this game moving on there. I don't have them being the five twelve upset in a tournament in the okay. tournament. But yeah, I think IU could. I, I honestly, if I had to pick it, which. It sounds like we're you're pushing me to it. I heard I heard yes. it in your voice. Yes. Uh I'll pick IU. Okay. Good enough. And then tomorrow you have Rutgers and Notre Dame in a first four matchup. That's kind of interesting to me. Where what do you see here? I still this committee is killing me. You have a team that finished eighth in the conference who doesn't have to and lost their first game around before Rutgers, and they get a they they don't have to play in. And again, that's a knock on on the seeding of Michigan. Yep. I don't know anybody on Michigan's team, so it's nothing against them personally. I don't care about that part necessarily, but I it doesn't make sense. Over the course of a whole conference season, and granted, Rutgers lost to Lafayette and UMass and some of those really poor programs at the time, but there you mentioned it too. As the season went on, that's a different team. That's not it, the same team different. that lost in the, at the to those teams at the beginning. So the, to me, it makes no sense. Even though Rutgers lost their first game too, it was still in a round later, and it was to the eventual conference champion, tournament champion, and it was only by ten. And I just don't I, understand. I had thought Notre Dame had done enough to move away from the. Me first too. The, didn't they well. finish second in the ACC regular season? And they're I in think a first maybe tied for second. Yeah, but still, but still. Yeah, and and Rutgers finished fourth in the Big Ten, so I'm yeah. not really sure. Like this is a really good matchup for a first four. Oh game. yeah, oh, and it's sure. really great for TV. Um. <laughs> oh, I hate to think that they did it for that. I would uh, uh. hate to think they did it for that. Um. But Rutgers and and Notre Dame. This is one that 
I think is very interesting because you have, uh, to put it kind of in, in your picture frame, a Jaden Ivy-esque player at Notre Dame and Blake Wesley, yeah. a South Bend product. Um, I think he brings a level of athleticism that really isn't there on the floor. Um, for Rutgers, I think you have more of a, a unit. And, and, of course, you have some other pieces at Notre Dame, but to the level of Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker, uh, Amori, and, and uh, Mulcahy, I, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. I, I think Rutgers is a more complete team, to be quite mm-hmm. frank. Well, I, I again, sounds like you're pressuring me into picking a winner on this <laughs> one, Dalton, but uh, I'll take Rutgers on this. I'm going Big Ten on both of these games, and it's not because I have anything against the other two. Um, and, and especially I don't hate Notre Dame basketball, like I do their football team. Right. But, uh, I, I just, I, I like both big 10 teams tonight because they've, they, they're playing well at the right time. We have an all big well. 10 final four, uh, just for a spoiler alert. No, I'm kidding. I don't, um, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't either. <laughs> all right. So a very long first half. Let's hit the halftime break. Well, you got to give me a second to get over there. All right, halftime. <laughs> you are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From, From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Hi, I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. And we host the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. Hey, Tina, did you know that Elvis crashed the Nixon White House for the sole purpose of getting a DEA badge and it worked? What? <laughs> or how a gun control advocate senator out of California engaged in gun trafficking with notorious gang leader Shrimp Boy? <laughs> Shrimp Boy, I remember him. Okay, so you know we cover all of that and more from Malady madness, mischief, and murder in U.S. politics. And we also host a bi-weekly interview segment called Lil Muck. We interview politicians, journalists, activists, and others who share their experiences in politics. Find The Muck Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on social media at The Muck Podcast. All right, second half, third quarter action here. Yeah. we're going to we we both or actually Sam really has taken the time to fill out a bracket yet. I am really behind the ball. So <laughs> I've looked at some matchups. I'll kind of maybe grade Sam, see where I think maybe he's off on, or and maybe even kind of give my projections shooting from the hip here. But before we do that, let's go to social media because at Big Ten Plus Four is a little busy this week, Sam. Yeah, we uh, our poll from last week was the uh the surprise seating of the Big Ten tournament. Our winner was Rutgers. Uh, more people okay. were surprised by Rutgers. Uh, Wisconsin was a close second. I don't have the numbers right on my hand, but uh, the new poll question this week, and, and I'm just keeping it going. Uh, yep. The new poll question this week is now that the brackets are set, which Big Ten team has the best road slash chance to get to the final four? Uh, we have four options. And if your option that you choose is not one listed, uh, go in and uh, put in the comments. But we have three seated Purdue, three seated Wisconsin four-seeded Illinois or five-seeded Iowa to me 
I'm trying to remember what Illinois might run into if they, they get the win against Chattanooga in the first round, but Wisconsin has the easiest road to the sweet 16 in my eyes. Iowa might have the best road to the final four mm-hmm. in my eyes. Uh, I don't, I don't disagree necessarily. I'm trying to, I'll pull up a bracket to see what I think of Illinois, where with the teams that surround them, but Purdue might have the toughest to be quite frank, because if Purdue does beat Yale, they have the winner between Texas and Virginia Tech. I've already kind of stated why I think Texas is a little bit of a matchup issue for Purdue. Yeah. Um, and then if you get by that, you go against maybe the best big man in the country and Oscar Shibway at Kentucky. Oscar this, and Travion. Uh, oh, hey, I mean. I'm so excited if that happens. Oh, it's going to be so much just mass thrown around. There's in so that much game. testosterone in the paint. It, they'll just have to <laughs> just step back and let it go. I mean, it's it would be absolutely wild, but Shibway is like a walking yeah. just rebound. He, he he gets so many twenty rebound games. Like I I think heard Purdue, of. yeah, I think Purdue has some issues, and I I had stated well before that I had concerns about this team because no team ranks as bad defensively in the Ken Palm rankings as Purdue historically that's mm-hmm. been able to ever make a run. Mm-hmm. I still am a little bit worried. And then when you look at Texas and a possible Kentucky in, in the second round, sweet 16 matchups, I think they might have the hardest. But my question is, is can't we've seen what Purdue did against Illinois and one of the best big men in the, in the country there with Coburn mm-hmm. too. They're able, they were able to get him in foul trouble. Uh, I think, I think, if they end up in, in against Kentucky, it, it could be one of those. If they can get Oscar into foul trouble, it might help them immensely. You're, you're not wrong, but I would point out, too, that in the last couple of weeks, Ty Ty Washington has mm-hmm. really come alive for the Wildcats. Yeah. Like this is somebody on the perimeter, too. That's I, I think Kentucky is a bit of a night, uh, a, a matchup nightmare, I suppose, for sure. Purdue in the sense that they have athleticism there on the perimeter. That's going to be tough for them to guard. Um, so I, I don't like Purdue's path, I but really again, don't. I, I still haven't seen Purdue get blown out other than against Michigan. So I think it stays close and you never know which way the balls and, and let's uh, Purdue has to be the most shell shocked team when it comes to losses all year. I mean, yep. how many of them, how many other teams have lost four of their seven losses or a majority of their losses have come on game winners or buzzer right. readers. Uh, so you know, we talked about that last week. Purdue's a few bounces away from only having two or three losses, period. Correct. And so it's one of those that even though their their big deficiency is on defense, they're going to put themselves into position to win. And and to your point, I don't think Purdue's ever at risk of being blown out. They're too mm-hmm. talented to right. spot that many points. But I do I do worry um that they don't help themselves enough with the defensive issues they <laughs> oh have. My. And the the way they held onto the ball, especially against Iowa. You talked about, uh, uh, I forget who, who the point guard was. You said uh, 20 assists and, and two turnovers. A.J. Hogard at Michigan okay. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eric Hunter Jr. had two turnovers in successive possessions against Iowa. Oh, well, let's not go back to the Michigan State-Maryland game for a moment, but... Uh... <laughs> Where there was about seven turnovers in the final two or three yeah, minutes. That yeah. was woof. Um, but no, it, and and to be honest, that's kind of Purdue's problem. It's it's a lot of different pieces in trying to figure out how it all fits because Purdue wants Jaden Ivey to 
run the offense and be the offense a lot of times because uh, of Eric Connor and Isaiah Thompson aren't the most elite point guards that you could throw out there. That's so they're they're trying way to put it. Yeah, I was being very <laughs> delicate because I, I I like Eric Hunter's game to be honest too. I just yeah. don't like him running the point. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's like a good off guard. Yeah, that's how I see it. But yeah. like the team needs a point guard to run the offense, mm-hmm. and they're and Jaden Ivy is not good enough to do it. Well, and as and, a point guard, you, well, you're you're taking away from some of his natural game. Yep on the wing if you make him run the point. And so I feel like that's kind of the the waltz, the dance that Matt Painter and the Boilermakers have been trying to figure out recently. Um, real quick to look at Illinois. So Illinois has Chattanooga first round. If they win in the Arizona's game. bracket. Yes. Yes, they are. Houston, um, Arizona, uh, Tennessee, yes. Villanova. Those are. Which if the they match seat. up against Arizona, I really like Arizona there. I mean, they're just so athletic. Um, I yeah. think it'd be some issues for for some of the bigs at Illinois. I don't um, disagree. But if they get there, I mean, they have Houston in the second round. If both of those two teams win, uh, stat nerds love Houston. Houston, uh, by the Ken Palm adjusted rankings, is a top 10 team, I think, both offensively and defensively, maybe top 15. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched enough of Houston this year to, to really know what they look like. But I do. I know, know they're red stats. and white. That's, that's <laughs> and Kelvin Sampson's the coach. Yeah, he um, used to be at IU, so I don't like him. <laughs> still wearing red and white. That's um, right, jerk. B- but Illinois, maybe Illinois has the hardest. I, I've kind of pivoted your the poll question here, but that's okay. It's fine. Illinois and Purdue, I think, might have the two toughest roads. I, I think, though, Iowa has the best of the Final Four. Wisconsin has the best of the Sweet Sixteen. Wow, so it's harder for Iowa to get to the Sweet 16, but you think if they get there, it's easier to get to the Final Four. That's okay. how I see it. It, it makes sense, uh, and uh, uh, I don't necessarily disagree. My bracket disagrees with you a little bit, but uh, <laughs> well, uh, I get into but, your bracket. Yeah, uh, I I wanted to kind of cover. I I pit all you. Know, it's never a clean tournament. Okay, yep. so double digit seeds. I have two making it to the Sweet 16. I have Loyola Chicago. I have them knocking off Villanova in the uh, in the second round. And another my my deepest one. I have uh, New Mexico State getting to the Sweet 16. Interesting. I have them beating UConn and then Arkansas and then losing to Gonzaga. Wow. Okay. Although my biggest upset, I have South Dakota State beating Providence in the first round. Providence has kind of been living on, on borrowed time for a little mm-hmm. bit. I, when you, when your coach says you're lucky or they're lucky in a, in a, in a presser, it's not that he doesn't believe in them, but he, he, he kind of maybe we're doing this with a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And when you get somebody like South Dakota state who hasn't lost in like 45 years, I think it the way it's, they went undefeated in the regular season in the summit league and won the tournament uh they're on they're like 30 and four and that summit league teams are those types of really low conferences whenever they get a team that does that it's usually because they have a lot of senior leadership they do the small things right and they set up perfectly to upset a team that maybe is doing a little bit of smoke and mirrors no, you're you're absolutely right. So what what does your final four look like? 
Oh goodness, Dalton, you're gonna love this. I have <laughs> I have two three seeds, a okay. one seed, and a two seed. Oh, okay, okay. What do we got? Okay, I have Gonzaga. I see. I maybe I'm just a sucker for Gonzaga, but gosh, I love I love them. Chet, mm-hmm. Timmy, I just mm-hmm. I have uh, them beating Texas Tech in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. Okay. So Texas Tech is one of those that they play such good defense that if they can get a little bit of offense, they're really, really dangerous. And uh, uh, now that Chris Beard is not there any longer, I don't hate uh, uh, Texas Tech. I didn't know uh, the had reason a Chris why, Beard issue. The reason why I have a Chris Beard issue is because when he was at Little Arkansas Little Rock, they beat Purdue in the first round, and he <laughs> acted like he'd never won a basketball game before. You know, he was doing basically cartwheels on the floor, and it was like, dude, come on. You're a coach. Granted, be excited, be cheerful, but oh yeah. my gosh, it was it, to me it was just it put a sour taste in my mouth. So, um not and it killed me a, a few years back, uh the year before Purdue made the run to the Elite 8, uh Purdue played Texas Tech in Boston in the tournament and Texas Tech just blew them out and of course Chris Beard was there. Yep. And so uh the, you know, I just I don't like Chris Beard. Okay. So, I Good hope enough. if they play Texas they blow their doors off, but I, <laughs> whatever. Um, I'm going to get to who they're playing uh, last. Uh, I have Tennessee coming out of uh, Arizona, the Arizona uh, region, the South. Um, They showed a lot. You beat Kentucky twice. That's a pretty solid team, you know, and they won the tournament for the first time in my lifetime because they literally, the last time they won the SEC tournament was 1979, which was before I was born. That's Magic Johnson and Larry Bird year. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird year. I uh so yeah, that that was the last time they won the SEC tournament. And for them to do that and just I think it sets up well. I have them beating Illinois in the Elite Eight. Okay. Believe it or not. I do okay. have Illinois beating Arizona. That was one of those I sat there and stared at for about four minutes, just going, well, and then I'd tap one and go, nope, and switch oh, it. And then we'd we- switch it. If we get an Arizona Illinois rematch from 2005, one of the best March yeah. Madness games yeah. we've ever seen, that would be something. Yeah. But so I have Illinois winning that but getting beat by Tennessee, uh Tennessee going to the to the final four. Then I have an SEC matchup for that game in the in the final four cuz I have Auburn coming out of okay. uh the Midwest. I have them beating Iowa in the Elite 8. Jabari Smith, the real deal. That's what would scare me too. If you were to try and ride Iowa to the final four, which I'm probably going to do in my bracket, if they do end up playing Auburn and Jabari Smith, not too many people are going to be able to slow him down. And, and, and that's what I kept waiting. I I stared at that one for two minutes, you know, not half as long as the Arizona Illinois game or matchup, but it was still like, Oh, I could see. I, I actually, I had Iowa picked. Then I switched to Auburn. (laughs) <laughs> then I switched to Iowa. Then I switched to Auburn. Yeah, and it flipping. just and finally I was like, no, I, I'm pretty confident that, you know, even though they lost in the first round of the SEC tournament, to me, again, we we don't put a lot of stock into it yep. for those teams that are already elite. Um so I have Auburn win uh winning and going to play Tennessee. Now for my fourth one, this is where you're I'm gonna probably lose you. I have this team beating st mary's in the you elite you put purdue in i put purdue in yeah i know <laughs> but my point the re here's the thing i don't consider it necessarily homeristic because purdue has the 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 horses to get there it's true i, ha- I, I mean and i'm just taking stock I'm, maybe it's a little bit of homerism just because i want it to happen 
but I, it's not so out in left field or out of left field that it's like, oh my gosh, you ruined your bracket. Well, but in terms of talent, I would stack Purdue's up against Baylor's, the one seed there. I would stack it up against Kentucky. I just, it, it would literally be groundbreaking, literally breaking the ground. Um, <laughs> in terms of such a bad defensive metric team. Sure. Breaking that barrier. And, 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 barriers get broken so it's not that it's impossible that's my big hang up on it is i've seen a lot of really good teams lose here because they don't play defense and this is where they grade out Purdue's in that category so they would have to become an anomaly and and that's possible i'm taking i'm taking stock in the fact that they're never out of a game that they're gonna hit those shots or those those game winners are not going in Granted, I'm kind of going against the against so, the grain on that, but I do have Purdue beating St. Mary's in the so, Elite Eight. So the Purdue team that's been cursed in March forever, you have in a year they've been cursed all year during the regular season that the curse gets broken now. It's a crazy year, Dalton. So yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so my winners in the final four, I have Gonzaga winning against Purdue. So okay. there you go. At least I'm not totally homeristic. And then I have Auburn beaten Tennessee. I just really, really like Auburn. I really yep. do. And in the finals, I have Auburn winning at 72-68. Wow. Okay. Auburn Tigers, national champions. I Bruce Pearl, national champion. Yeah. I and you know what? I that's a rematch. You know, he's playing against a, a, a school that he used to coach at with Tennessee. And I think he he uh he breaks through and I like Bruce Pearl. I really do. I loved I loved when he did the whole uh uh partying with or you know cheering with the uh the student section during uh I believe it was a women's game. He went there and and cheered at Tennessee. Yeah he was at Tennessee and was in the crowd and I think he even took his shirt off or something. Like it, it was crazy. I, I love I love coaches that get involved. Now, I, I know I just said Chris Beard. I don't like him, but <laughs> he did that while he was coaching on the court. That's right. What, th- there's d- a difference there. There's levels but, uh, to this. Yeah, I've got I've got Auburn. OK, very good. Well, we'll see how this ends up playing out. I'm sure uh, in, in just about a week or so, we'll light all our or maybe a few days. We'll light all I was our gonna say, by Thursday afternoon, <laughs> you know, the first round of games. Uh, yeah, I'll be uh, you know throwing my bracket out the window. Well, with that being said, let's move to the fourth quarter. This is the part of the show where we get to our headlines. And so we'll start with Sam Springer and the Sam Sentinel. Hey, that's me. (laughs) So uh, mine and my Sam Sentinel is uh, it's 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 NCAA or NCAA tournament uh, related. It's the uh, the greatest tribute slash uh, moment in NCAA tournament history to me. Okay. Okay. Take you to 1990, the tournament in 1990. That would be the year that UNLV, the running Rebs won the the national championship Uh, a year after Michigan beat Seton hall in overtime. I believe in Seattle, maybe, um, there was, and I don't know, you were not alive. I know you weren't alive, but Hank Gathers played for Loyola Marymount and they were, I believe in the whack. And it was a, uh, that team was the run and gun. They were averaging like over a hundred points and mm-hmm. it was, 
I, I forget the guy's uh, the coach's name. It's not Paul Westfall. I know that's not right, but uh, Westhead. Westhead. Okay. Uh, he ended up going to Denver and coaching the Nuggets for a while, and the Nuggets averaged like 140 points a game, regulation points a game. Uh, they didn't win a lot, but they they scored a lot. But anyways, go back to 1990. He's the he's the coach at Loyola Marymount, and he started the run and gun. Basically, uh, they were shooting the ball within six seconds, seven seconds of the shot clock start. At the time, it was 45 second shot clock, but you know, time evolves, and the, you know they get closer in the in the uh, shot clock. But Hank Gathers had a heart condition, and he had to take medication for it. But he found him, and and Hank Gathers was a national player of the year candidate like he was that good he was gonna be a lottery pick he his teammate bo bo kimball uh those two were just fantastic loyal marymount was going to do some big things for a, a a team that was not well known and it was because of this offensive s strategy uh he had a heart condition Hank gathers and he uh, he found that when he took his medication he got sluggish so he stopped taking his medication started being able to keep up with the the pace of the offense and in the middle of their tournament game he collapsed in the in the on the floor rushed to the hospital where he he died mm -hmm. um that was a, it was a big big deal you know you you have a kid at the time a kid dying on the floor not on the floor but dying because of playing basketball and uh they canceled the rest of the tournament, gave Loyal Marymount the automatic bid. Rightfully, they would have won it anyways. And and I think that maybe the conference already knew that anyway. So they just kind of conceded that they were their champion. Uh, they scored the most points against the defending champion in the tournament against Michigan. I believe they scored 130 plus points. The tribute, though, comes from Bo, Bo Kimball. Bo Kimball is a right-handed shooter. Hank Gathers was a left-handed shooter in the middle of a very hotly contested game against the defending national champions who should have beaten Loyola Marymount. Bo Kimball decided to give a tribute to his, his brother in arms, his, his teammate, his best friend. He shot his free throws left-handed during that time. And it was one of those, it wasn't him showing off. It was him showing his love for the person that had gone through just those times with him and it, it showed his love for for that man that that tragically lost his life uh playing the game of basketball and uh that was 32 years ago and it seems like and honestly it's one of those that it seems like it wasn't too long ago a couple years to me because i remember watching it and go oh my gosh he's not he's not left-handed and i was a geek when you know i I knew everything about most of the teams in the tournament, which meant I did horribly in my predictions, which Correct. now I don't know anything and I still do horribly. So I don't know. Maybe it didn't mean anything, but what a tribute in and, and, and he didn't care the situation. He was shooting his first free throws in honor of his friend and his brother, uh, Bo Kimball and Hank gathers. Uh, that is the, the best, NCAA tournament tribute or moment that I've witnessed in my life. It's and that's special. the Sam Sentinel. That's, it's pretty special. I, uh, 
learned about that not terribly long ago the whole hank gather story and whatnot yeah. and it's it's touching i mean i it, can it really is i can remember watching and we didn't have cable and all the tournaments weren't on like they are now and so like i remember watching the next day on i believe good morning america where they were doing the the headlines the news headlines or whatever and they showed gathers he dunked it on an alley-oop started running down court and collapsed at half court and i was like Ugh. oh my goodness and then all of a sudden everybody just stopped and rushed to him and then of course they had said that he had passed when they got him to the hospital and uh it's crazy and Take care of yourself. I mean, granted, I know that there's one of those, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, basketball or sport might be your life, but if you don't have your life, you don't have your sport. So if it's something that's making you sluggish, take your medication. If that's going to keep you alive. Um, he had two options. He could not take the medication, but he couldn't play basketball. And, uh, he decided to not take his medication and still play basketball. And he ended up paying the ultimate price, but the tribute is what really got me. It's, it's pretty special stuff. It really is. Mm. Um, for the Dalton daily, uh, it won't be nearly as sentimental, um, <laughs> but news broke out of Evanston yesterday that athletic director Derek Gregg is going to bring head coach Chris Collins back for Northwestern basketball for another season and they released a statement from the athletic department and uh, they they basically had said you know look the recent performance and results isn't really up to where we want it uh, we've tasked Chris Collins with uh, bringing more success in in the new year and the way I look at it, because I, I've been talking with people for a little while and trying to figure out if Chris Collins really is on a hot seat, because there's been some of that chatter a little bit. Uh, Chris Collins took you to your only NCAA tournament appearance. That was in 2017. And won a game. Won a game the first round and Should've nearly knocked Gonzaga. off Gonzaga in the second. But there was the missed call where the Gonzaga defender stuck his arm through the rim and blocked a shot. And Chris Collins got teed up for it because afterwards, I mean, they they didn't see it in live time. The refs didn't see it. They didn't review it. They didn't change it. Um, the way I like as I look at the situation in Evanston, Chris Collins has built something where yeah. it's moved the program further along than where it was when he got there. And. I'm not really sure in in a conference in the Big Ten where we're talking about a couple of years ago, 12 different teams possibly getting in. The last two years, nine teams get in. The Big Ten is just as competitive, just as cutthroat as any other conference in the country. What is a reasonable expectation for you to throw on Chris Collins in the toughest, deepest conference in college basketball that's not already making and taking you to your only NCAA tournament appearance? I understand that that losing is not the most fun but also winning is incredibly difficult especially when you're stacked behind the eight ball between all the programs with all these different resources and as talented as this conference is so i i do applaud giving him an extra year i don't want to see chris collins go because i think he's done a lot of good mm -hmm. for that northwestern program and as the big 10 we're getting ready to see i think an overhaul and, and this is all pending transfer portal and what happens, but an overhaul of talent in the Big Ten Conference, a lot of faces and names that we know are about to be gone, and there will be a little bit of a, a vacuum in the Big Ten. If Northwestern's able to keep some of that roster together, 
from from COVID year eligibility and whatnot, Northwestern absolutely can make a run to maybe halfway or the top half of the Big Ten conference in in terms of standings with that roster. So I I, I think it's a good move keeping Collins around, and I, I'm glad they made that decision because again he moved you further than where you were when he got there. So good move by Northwestern, and I hope for success for them in that program moving forward. Well, who else do you get? You know, I mean, Northwestern, if you and you you st- said if they could get in the top half of the conference, it's traditionally you've seen if you're in the top half of the 14 team Big Ten, you're going to make the tournament. Yep. So uh, you're absolutely right there. There's a lot of talent that's not going to be there in the next year, two years, even that. And Northwestern doesn't recruit the same people as the rest that's of the, the thing the rest of the league and so they're going to have a lot of older players which we just talked i talked about it when i said south dakota state's going to beat providence they have senior leadership i think northwestern is kind of a small conference team in the big 10 yep so every few years they're really really strong not always enough to get to the tournament obviously since they've only done it once ever but but they're much like a small conference team in the Big Ten. Yep. No, I I agree. So I'm I'm glad to see that they they gave him an extra year. Yeah. All right. We're getting ready to say goodbye, Sam. Let everybody know where they can find us. Yeah. Hey. First off, we're on the ASAP Network. We all sports, all plays. They allow us to stream on their on their website and on their uh, on their Facebook Live page. You can catch us whenever we're on. Which during the basketball season and and a little bit less during the football season, I'm guessing because all games play on Saturday that way. Um, we're a little hit or miss on the days. Like today's Tuesday. We did last week on Wednesday. We've done the two weeks prior to that on a Friday. It just, it, we don't know uh, because of the basketball season. Uh, we're still going to get you a weekly uh, show. You um, see these bags under my eyes? Guys? Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> he's not doing that because he's playing <laughs> video kidding. games, kids. <laughs> but uh, no, catch us anywhere. You can, if you, we they'll restream us um uh, replay us on the on the asap network if you absolutely want to watch the video of us but don't want to wait for the replay on asap hey our video podcast is on spotify but you can listen to it audio on spotify or anywhere else you find your podcasts uh for audio uh find us on twitter right up there at the top of the sh- of the uh the the screen uh, twitter facebook oddpodsmedia.com we uh we really are having a good time, Dalton. I, I I'm loving this. Uh, I'm able able to talk sports every week uh, with somebody that's uh, knows a heck of a lot more than I do. But uh, you you don't you don't make fun of me too much. You didn't even make fun of my Purdue Final Four pick. I'm proud well, of you. Well, the thing is, I could possibly see it, but it just, yeah. you know you don't agree it. with it, but you don't see it out I of the realm of it. possibility. Uh huh. Well, you so. don't see it as in it's gonna happen. You don't think it will, but. It, it could it could it very well could um but yeah no this is march madness we we hope to to have a lot of fun with you guys uh, during the run through the big dance and uh for this week's show and for big 10 plus four i'm dalton shetler that's sam Sung, uh, sam sprunger is your name i think <laughs> yeah sam it sprunger. is yeah. yeah sam sprunger um <laughs> it's on so, the, it's on the screen yeah good enough so long we'll talk to you soon see you later